Welcome to Pleasant Grove Church, where Reverend Dr. Classy M. Preston is the pastor. A place where the Word of God impacts and transforms your life. Let's listen to a power-packed message already in progress. worship. I thank God that in the midst of a pandemic, there's a space we can come, but we can worship God in spirit and in truth. I thank God for the blessing of our praise team, our musicians, multimedia. I thank God for the privilege of being in worship. I thank God for breaking every chain. I, I, do you believe what you're singing? Do you believe your, is your testimony real? Oh, I wish I had a witness today. What type of God in the midst of a pandemic gives you Holy Ghost power? What kind of God is it in the midst of a pandemic gives you freedom to worship in spirit and in truth? What kind of God keeps your church together in spite of demonic forces? What type of God puts together a virtual anniversary when people are not coming together at all? What type of God finishes an expansion in the midst of a pandemic? What type of God is it that keeps on blessing and blessing and blessing and blessing? What type of God is it that sends prayer warriors to pray for you when you don't want to pray for yourself. What type of God gives you a testimony in the wilderness saying, I am still God. Regardless of what you see, I am still God. Lord, we thank you. 
We praise your name. We cry out hallelujah, oh God. You are Alpha and Omega. You are such an awesome God. Oh, we love you, Lord. We bless your holy name. And we give you praise. We give you honor. And we give you glory. Because you are God. Oh, hallelujah. If I never praise you again, oh God, I thank you, God. Thank you for my past. I thank you for my present. I thank you for my future, oh God. If it had not been for the Lord on my side, if it had not been for the Lord on my side, oh my God. What type of God gives you a new website in the middle of a pandemic? What type of God gives you prayer word? What type of God is this? Oh, I wish I had a witness. Oh, I wish I had a witness. He keeps blessing me and blessing me and blessing me and blessing. The more I praise him, the more he blesses. The more I praise him, the more he blesses. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I bless your holy name. I thank you, God. Thank you, God. I love you, Lord. Oh, I give mag I magnify your name. I bless your holy name. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Lord, I, I just love you, Lord. I bless your name, oh God. I cry out, oh God. Hallelujah. You are so worthy to be praised. Bless your name. I bless you in the morning. I bless you at noonday. I bless you in the afternoon. I bless you at midnight. Nobody like my God. Nobody like my God. Nobody like my God. Oh, I just love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Oh, if I had a thousand times, I could not praise you enough, oh God. I could not do it, oh God. Oh, I praise your name. I praise your name. I thank you, God. I thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Oh, you don't know. You don't know like I know. Oh, what the Lord has done for me. Thank you, God. Hallelujah, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. As long as I live, I'm going to give God all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. Thank you, God. Oh, I thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Nobody like you, God. Hallelujah. Nobody. Nobody like you, Lord. Oh, I love you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. 
You don't know what I know. You don't, you don't know where I've been, but I have a God who is faithful. He's faithful over and over and over again. He's faithful. Thank you, God, for watching over this house. I thank you, God. I thank you, God, for your word. I thank you, God, that in the midst of bad news, you show up. I thank you, God, that in the midst of a season of sorrow, you show up. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse number 2, let me give you a little background. And some people came, and they told Jehoshaphat, that a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already in Hazun Tamar, and alarmed Jehoshaphat, whose king resolved to inquire of the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. And the people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. And the word of God says that then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard. This is in chapter 20, and I'm now in verse number 6. And then Jehoshaphat said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nation. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. What we learned here is that every now and then it's okay to go ask God a few questions. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of the land before your people Israel, and you gave it to us forever from the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, If calamity comes upon us, Deacon Shireen, whether the sword of judgment, a plague of famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. But now here are men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Sheer, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt, so they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. Jehoshaphat said, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. He said, but our eyes are on you. And then all of the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones stood there before the Lord. And then the spirit of the Lord came on Zahaziel, son of Zechariah, and he said, listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord said. Every now and then, the Lord needs to send a word through the prophet or the preacher or the prayer warrior so that people can hear what God is really saying. Our praise team this morning really helped us to see, Minister Derek, that regardless of what we see is God is still God, and God's power is still God's power. God is still omnipotent, omnipresent. God is all-powerful regardless of our circumstances. So he stood up and he said, this 
is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. Some of us right now are facing vast armies. For the battle is not yours. Did you hear me, church? For the battle is not yours, but God's. What I learned from this quickly, that if God allows you to get into battle, that God will coach you through battle. That's all I'm saying. If God allows you to get in battle, then God will bring you through battle. And that's what we learned here. So what I want you to do is forget about your fearful attitude and march down against them. And they will be climbing up by the pass of Zig, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert. So in other words, God will show you where the enemy is so that you don't have to spend time looking for the enemy. Some of us have enemies, and we don't know where they live or where they are, but if you spend a little time with God, God will show you where the enemy is. And you will not have to fight this battle. Just take your position. Stand firm and see deliverance and the salvation of the Lord. For the battle is not yours. The battle is not yours, but God's. Believers are not exempt from fear, but we have a God to take our fears to. The church ought to say amen. Sometimes we forget, we walk around fearful of everything, and we forget momentarily that we have a God we can take our troubles to. King Jehoshaphat teaches us four important lessons. Number one is that God hears our prayers and supplications. Number two is that God moves through fasting and prayer. Number three, God responds to our praise and worship. God has responded and is responding right now to our praise and worship as long as it is authentic unto God. And God always delivers on his promises. Can I get a witness? God always delivers on his promises. In chapter 20 of 2 Chronicles, we find that Jehoshaphat is in a situation we find ourselves at some point in our lifetime. He is surrounded by a coalition of armies. I don't know what your armies look like. I don't know what color their hair. I don't know what uniform they have on. I don't know what car they drive. I don't know what residence they have. But I can tell you that there is a coalition that wants to surround you and destroy you in the name of Jesus. Have you ever been surrounded by the enemy? I'm guessing some of you might ask, what is the enemy? One that is antagonistic. One that's always finding fault one that's always seeking to take you down, one who's always willing to rob you of your joy, one that's always willing to tell you what you didn't do, one that's always willing to tell you how bad you really look and how things are going down for you, but the Lord had given us an out, and that is in the name of Jesus. The writer of Chronicles declares that when the men of the desert were supported to be in the march against Judah, that the king did not turn his thoughts to the army, but God. So we learn here is that when you know that you're being invaded by the enemy and the army of the enemy, you need to turn your attention, Grandpa James, to the Lord. Because that's where your help is going to come from. In life, we make choices which determine our fate. Can I get a witness? Have you made a decision years ago and finally you realize you messed up and you should have done something different? 
the Chronicles was striving to teach that if we forget the God of righteousness in our responses to life challenges, we will, not, we will go amiss, and there are many challenges that we face. It's challenging to be a Christian. It's challenging to be a woman of God. It's challenging to be a man of God. It's a challenge to be faithful. It's a challenge to be holy, a challenge to be honest, a challenge to be unbiased, a challenge to be unselfish, a challenge to be optimistic in the midst of pessimism. It's a challenge to be loving and kind, and Lord knows it's a challenge to monitor our temperaments. It's a challenge for us, no matter how vast the material resources we have, there are things in life which challenge us. And whenever in any circumstance we must always display basic trust in the absolute righteousness of God and the faithfulness he provides. The psalmist said in Psalm 46, God is our refuge. It's one of my favorite psalms. Our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in trouble. I don't know about you, but since I've been in my 60s, I'm in trouble all the time. And the closer I get to 70, it just seems like the troubles keep piling up and piling up. But the psalmist says, therefore, we will not fear. And though the earth give away and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with the surging kelly, there's a rhythm whose streams make glad the city of God the holy place where the Most High lives. Quite often, people can't stand to see you doing well for too long. I have learned, and perhaps Jehoshaphat gained some lessons as well, people don't always have to have a reason for wanting you to fail. They don't necessarily have to have any particular reason to want to see you fall, to see you de your demise or your struggle. But we serve a God of deliverance 24 hours a day, you don't need UPS, you don't need Federal Express, you don't need Uber, you don't need to call in any backup team, you don't need Delta, you don't need United, you don't need American, you don't need trans, you don't need anybody but the awesome God we serve. Dr. Sam Chan in his book, The Pain of Leadership, states that Jehoshaphat teaches us a great lesson about facing adversity as he receives a report that Judah was surrounded by outside forces. He immediately gathered the people for fasting and prayer. My second point is, is that if the church would ever learn to fast and pray, that we will move mountains in the name of the Lord. I'm gonna say it again, if the church will ever fast and pray, then we will move mountains in the name of the Lord. In this prayer, Jehoshaphat does four things. He, he goes back and he reminds himself of who God really is. That happened to me two weeks ago when I was in Alabama. My sister Carolyn and I took a short tour to go to our old neighborhood where we grew up when we were kids. Well, of course, the house had been, I guess, it, I don't know if it fell down or somebody took it down, but we realized it was not there anymore, but we saw the address. And all we needed to do, Kelly, was see the address and we realized how far God had brought us. Sometimes you need to go back to your old address and take a look so that you can be reminded of what God has done for you. And sometimes it's good to drive through the old neighborhood before you got 
so sophisticated and high up. Every now and then, you need to drive through the potholes of the street so that you realize that the same God that took you through potholes will take you through the enemy. Hallelujah. Uh, we've gotten too sophisticated now. We've got to praise God for what God has done. And while the enemy encourages us to become isolated, the Holy Spirit will lead us to God in prayer. So Jehoshaphat says, in the moment, let's pray. What would happen, Sister Benita, if the enemy attacks you and then you say, let's pray about this? What would happen, Sister Simone, if the enemy's beating you up and you say, let me put you on hold, Netflix, I'll be right back. I need to pray about this. And so Jehoshaphat shows us, Deacon Gino, that when we pray, the angels answer. When we pray, we are empowered by the spirit of a living God. Jehoshaphat cries out. That's why we need to build our relationship with God while things are good. We need to build our relationships with God while things are smooth sailing, while there's money in the bank and money in our savings account and where our credit line is not overdrawn. We need to build our relationship with God when we know what we are going to need from God. And so our eyes are on you. Are your eyes on God? But we are weak and we are vulnerable. We are overshadowed. We are surrounded. In reality, the prayer prayed by this king expresses the powerlessness of Judah and their confidence in God. As a pastor, I identified with this prayer. It doesn't matter your title or what the people call you. You can't do the work of the Lord without a relationship with the Lord. And every day you have to turn every situation over to God. And when Jehoshaphat realized that he was encamped by the enemy, he realized that he needed to cry out to God. And I said, let me remember this. You call me over here, yes. You call me to love your people, yes. You call me to love them night and day, yes. You told me that the enemy would not have power over us, yes. You told me that we would be successful, yes. Thank you, Lord, for reminding me of what you told me. God spoke to a Levite preacher and told Jehoshaphat, don't worry, don't fret. You see, when we are surrounded by the enemy, we got to be careful of who feeds into our soul. Because when you're surrounded by the enemy, if you talk to a weak person who doesn't know God, you might talk yourself into anything. And when you say, set yourself in position, what does that really mean? Well, when you're going to set yourself in position, Alex, that means that you better get over here behind the drums because they take you away from the world. You got to set yourself in position by positioning yourself to hear from God. You cannot hear from God in the middle of a movie. You don't hear from God when you're distracted in the shopping center. You don't hear from God when you're at the table and you're eating and dining and celebrating. You hear from God when you put yourself in position to hear from God. And God tells us all to position ourselves for his blessing. One of the things I pray for when I pray for the church is that every day we put ourselves in position to hear from God. How can we be busier in a pandemic? when we're working from home? How can we have less time for Bible study in a pandemic when you don't have to drive to the church? How can we have less to give the Lord when we're not shopping as much and we're cooking our own food? How, how 
do we have less time for God in the midst of a pandemic when the things that we used to do, we don't do anymore because we have masks on and we're, we're at home. How is it that God can move us through this season and we have less time for God? It seems to me, if anything, we should have more time for God and our praise and worship should be triple because we know that only God brings us through. Only God is keeping some households together. That's not a true statement. Only God is keeping all households together. People are looking at each other and saying, do I really have to spend the next six months inside with you? Do I really have to pretend that I'm all in love? Do, do I really have to deal with my kids? You don't know what people are going through, but how do you get through a pandemic? You fall on your knees and you cry out, Lord, have mercy on me. Remember God told Noah to build an ark. Crazy, wasn't it? Sent Moses to Pharaoh, told Abraham to climb a mountain, told Naaman the leper had to wash in the Jordan seven times. Remember, he had an attitude and said, obviously, God, you don't know who I am. God said, I don't care who you are. If you're going to be clean, you better go get in the Jordan. You better dip yourself seven times. We need to be in position with God so that we can hear from God. Remember the widow didn't have any bread? Remember the dough? And the Lord said, go make a cake of bread for the prophet. God ever told you to do something crazy? That I want you to give all you have to the church. Really? You want me to give all I have to the church when I don't really? Oh, no, Lord, you got to be mistaken. This is the wrong house. Jesus told the lame man to get up. Jesus told Monobaeus to go and then come again. Jesus made another blind man wash his eyes in a pool. One day we're going to realize our power in the name of Jesus and we're going to have healing services in this house and demons will be cast out because of the name of Jesus. You see, God still says today to each of us, set yourself in position and deliverance comes when we call on the name of the Lord. There ought to be some action on the part of the faithful. If you really want to be blessed, show God how much you trust him. If you really want to be blessed, give God everything that you have. There is nothing so sacred in my life that I don't give to God. My heart, my home, my husband, my family, everything I have belongs to the Lord. The key is even if you don't have to fight and even though you know who's going to bring you out, be prepared for whatever God wants you to do in the fight. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You might not have the punch of Muhammad Ali, but you got to stand still. You got to stand still and believe the glory of the Lord. Don't worry about the outcome. I've got this under control. You got to be prepared. And when you have done all you can, just stand in the name of the Lord. And God is saying here, wait. I know that it seems quite ridiculous, but I want you to wait on me. Sometimes we say to ourselves as black, brown people, we've been waiting 400 years. We've been waiting 400 years to be seen as real human beings. We've been waiting and fighting and mistreated for all these years. So God, what are you really saying? God says, wait on me and I will fight your battles. The reason some of us are still losing battles is because instead of waiting, we're fighting. And sometimes God wants us to wait, and that's when he says, Stand still, wait, and I will show you my salvation. David said in Psalm 27, Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. I said, Wait on the Lord. 
and he shall strengthen thine heart. I said, wait on the Lord. But David said something that's also miraculous. David said that I shall see God in the land of the living. I shall see God in the land of the living. And that's my testimony today, that I shall see God in the land of the living because the battle is not mine, it's the Lord's. And we ought to have that same hope that we will see the Lord in the land of the living. I don't know about you. I can't watch Jacob Blake being shot seven times again. I decided it's too much. I can't watch it over and over again. I decided that I just need to leave that alone. I can't watch George Floyd die again. I can't watch a man who's being killed and others surrounding him call on his mother in his dying hour. I can't watch the horrible things anymore that people say about people of color. And so I decided that I was going to lift myself up and I was going to go back and read the I Have a Dream speech all over again. I realized that I've been hearing this speech all of my life. And I realized that still there's some components of this speech which have not come true. And Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King said, but 100 years later, the Negro still is not free. 100 years later, the life of the Negro is still sadly crippled by the manacles of segregation and the chains of discrimination. Dr. King said 100 years later, Negroes live on a lonely island of poverty in the midst of a vast ocean of material prosperity. I believe the pandemic has shown, shown us clearly that black folk and brown folk in this nation are still living in poverty. Look at the numbers, we're even dying more of COVID. And as I read on, it says, in a sense, we've come to our nation's capital, Kashuchet. I mean, the architects of our republic wrote the magnificent words of the Declaration of Independence. They were signing a promissory note. Read this for yourself. But he said, I refuse to believe that the Bank of Justice is bankrupt. I'm so glad that we have a social justice ministry. I'm so glad that we are bringing opportunities forward that show us what we need to do. Dr. King said, now is the time to lift our nation from the quicksands of racial injustice to the solid rock of brotherhood. Church, we need to pray day and night. Church, we need to pray all day long. We need to be intentional. There's something wrong with the world that we live in. But there is something that I must say to my people who stand on the warm threshold which leads into the palace of justice that in the process of gaining our rightful place, we will not be guilty of wrongful deeds. The marvelous new militancy which has engulfed the Negro community must not lead us to a distrust of all white people for many of our white brothers, as evidenced by their presence here today, have come to realize that their destiny is tied with our destiny. They have come to realize that their freedom is bound to our freedom. We cannot walk alone. We can't turn back. 
There are those who are asking devotees of civil rights, when will you be satisfied? I won't be satisfied until every human being is treated like a child of God. That every girl and boy will feel good about themselves in this great country, regardless of the color of their skin. And so he said, I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed, and we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. He went on to say, I'm glad he included Alabama. He said, I, I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia that the sons of former slaves owners will be able to sit down together and at the table of brotherhood. And I have a dream that way down in Pritchard, Alabama, with this vicious racist and with his governor having his lips drifting with the words of interposition and nullification, that one day right here in Alabama, the little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands. And we will all be able to say, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. Church, I'm here to remind you that our freedom is all wrapped up in Jesus Christ. I'm here to remind you that as long as we have Jesus, we are not in bondage. I'm here to tell you that our freedom is anchored in our Lord Jesus Christ, who went to Calvary for us. So in the midst of your pandemic, you need to lift up the name of Jesus. You need to lift up the cause of Christ. You need to lift up the freedom we have in Jesus Christ. You must lift up the theory that I shall live because my Savior lives. And you must be willing to say, free at last. I'm free at last. Thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. I think our praise team should come and sing a little bit more about this army rising up because i see an army rising up this army is rising up to break every chain of racism sexism classism i see the army do you see it do you see it hey amen, amen. there's an army rising up the enemy wants us to see the enemy but the lord said i see an army rising up, breaking every chain. Hallelujah. We thank you, God. We ask you, oh God, for blessings upon the unsaved, blessings upon the frustrated, blessing upon those who are depressed and those who There's are surrounded by you. We love you, Lord. Oh, we thank you, God. Thank you for the army. There's an army Hallelujah, Lord. There's an army rising up to break every chain, to break every chain, break every chain, to break every chain, to break every chain. Thank you for listening. It is our prayer that this message will enlighten and empower you to do the will of God. If you have a prayer request or praise report or like additional information on Pleasant Grove Church or other recorded messages, come visit us in person or write to us at Pleasant Grove Church. 
Post Office Box 3603, Cary, North Carolina, 27519. Or call us at 919-363-5198. Or visit us on the web at www.pgc-cary.org. Thank you again.